Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, they've obviously had a reputation of, you know, doing some sketchy stuff over there. And, you know, it's just uh, we can say that it's a, a little bit of a difference. You know, I think you saw the swings and misses tonight compared to, uh, you know, the first two games of Minimate. But that's not really the story, you know. Um, we come here to play. You know, we're going to compete. We're not even going to worry about what they're going to do. Um, all we have to do is execute pitches, and they can't hit them anyways. Welcome to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinchapini Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. How about those comments from Ryan Tapera as he was alluding to the Astros only having success at home at Minute Maid Park and not having success on the road against the Chicago White Sox in their ballpark. Well, how about those comments now, Ryan Tapera, as the Astros have moved on to the ALCS, they will face the Boston Red Sox here on Friday. Now, Ryan Tapera, those claims, we all know what happened with the Astros and the sign-stealing scandal, and I'll dive into that here in a little bit. But, dude, the Astros scored 31 runs in four games against your White Sox, against your team that was supposed to be one of the better pitching staffs in all of baseball. And you are claiming that they only had success at home, but they scored 31 runs in four games. That's nearly eight runs a game. Your team only scored 18 runs in four games. That's about four runs a game. So if you look at the numbers – like, it didn't matter where the Astros played. They had success because they have a great lineup, so much depth and talent in their lineup. Like There are no breaks whatsoever when you go through one through nine in their entire lineup. I mean, game one, they scored six runs. Game two, they scored nine runs. Game three, they scored six. And then game four, to top it off, in a series-clinching victory, the Astros scored 10 runs. 10 runs in Chicago, which was capped off by my guy, Jose Altuve, with his three-run blast in the top of the ninth inning. Now, these comments by Tapera, like, dude, you have nothing to stand on. Nothing. We know what's happened in the past. We know what the Astros were found guilty of. But your team just got waxed. The entire series. It wasn't like, oh, they just, you know, they had us one or two games that just, they dominated the White Sox in every game. Even game three that the Astros lost, they jumped out to a 5-1 lead and just imploded in the third inning when Luis Garcia struggled. He couldn't get out of his own way. And then Yimi Garcia didn't help. Um, but, you know, that was the game that really, that was the only one that the White Sox won. And the Astros got off to the great start that they needed to get off to with the first game being playing uh, in Chicago of the series. is game three. The first two were in Houston. Game three in Chicago. The Astros jump out to a huge lead. That's exactly what you want to do in any road setting. You want to take momentum from the start. And that crowd was completely out of it. But the Astros were never able to regain that momentum as they lost game three before winning the series in four games. Now, something I never addressed here on the sweet spot was 
the Astro sign stealing scandal that occurred a couple years ago. This was something that, you know, last year we didn't get a chance to have full capacity in stands, so we really didn't know the full effect that it had on fans and people from visiting teams or opposing fans when Astros would travel to their stadiums. But this year, it's been well known, uh, the disdain that people have for the Houston Astros. And understandably so, like the whole trash cans and, and camera surveillance to steal signs, you know, that's something that the Astros know they, they were wrong in doing. And, you know, eventually when you're doing wrong, you're going to get caught. Like, that's usually how it goes. Like, you may get away with it for a little while, but eventually those things come to light and I've never shared my personal thoughts on the situation with the Houston Astros now I'll take it back to when I played varsity baseball I remember like it was yesterday um, my coaches would say if I call your name then it's a fastball if I call your number it's a breaking ball it's off speed and you know even at the age of 16 17 like that was something that didn't sit well with me I don't know why I just it just didn't uh knowing that after the first inning maybe the second that our coaches knew exactly what their signals were and uh you know I don't know I just wasn't at peace about it I I I, I don't know maybe it's just because you know, when I'm at the plate, I don't want you telling me what to look for. You know, I I think that's the beauty of the game is, okay, it's this pitcher in the mound. I'm in the batter's box. He has two or three pitches. But you always look fastball, right? You always look fastball first. There's two or three pitches, and that's the beauty of it when you're looking fastball, but then he throws a curveball, and you're able to sit back on it and still hit the curveball. Like, I felt like it was it was cheapened when the signs are stolen. Now I'm telling you what's coming. Like this is varsity baseball in high school, where signs are being stolen from just the naked eye. And you know this is something that didn't just start at East Limestone High School. Like this is several schools that's been doing this for years and teams at all levels, college, pro. Uh, so sign stealing from the naked eye is is common within the game. Now, when the technology side of it was inserted into the Houston Astros plan, that's where people are starting to get a little bit uh, uncomfortable. That's where I think the the main issue resides is anytime you know something of that magnitude, something that extreme, uh, that that thought of, that well thought out plan to use cameras and to use banging on a trash can, you know, Doug Funny back in the day. But, um, you know, I think that's when people are really irked by this whole situation. Now, this is something that uh, people got to think about technology in general. Technology is great, right? We all love our cell phones. Our phones are computers and, you know, 
music mp3 players like it's it's everything you want it to be the apps that you use like you can you know order a pizza from your phone and have it sent to your place or i love burritos i place an order from the app and go pick it up and it's ready to go my favorite app though is from my bank you know that's gives me access to my funds I uh, can move money over or I can check on, you know, deposits and all that stuff. Like that was something back in the day where if you wanted to check your balance from home, you had to call this number and wait for it to tell you what your balance was in your accounts. Like now I can literally do it from my phone, press a few buttons and there it is. So people have to think about, first of all, technology was created to make things easier. That's what technology does. So whenever you look at people playing at a high level, they're going to do whatever they can to gain an advantage, right? There is, there's a fine line. It really is. But for certain teams, that fine line uh, or the penalty that's going to be paid for the reward is worth it. I mean, you look at, you know, the Patriots, the Patriots, Spygate, Deflategate, all this stuff, they got fined, what, million dollars, a few million dollars, whatever, lost draft picks, but Tom Brady has six rings from New England alone. They're okay with being caught as long as you don't take away their trophies. At the end of the day, they got their reward. And I'll talk about the Patriots a little bit more here in this segment. But you got to look at technology. Like I said, it goes back to people are going to do whatever they can to gain an advantage. It's a competitive world whether it's sports, whether it's music, entertainment, politics, people will cheat to win. And they will do whatever they can to gain an advantage. And this isn't something that wasn't just thought about from the Houston Astros. Like, you know what? We should use cameras to steal signs. And we we can gain an advantage and we can know what's coming and we can crush balls out of the park and nobody will know what's going on. Well, this isn't something that just came about in the last two years. Sign stealing in an illegal manner has been well thought about, has been conducted time and time again, whether people know it or not. But there's one guy, one pitcher, who said back in the 80s, they did that on a regular basis. Listen to former Chicago White Sox pitcher Jack McDowell on his experiences with stealing signs. We had a system in Old Comiskey Park in the late 80s. Gatorade sign out in right center had a light. There was a toggle switch in the manager's office and a, and a, a, a camera zoomed in on the catcher. Mm. Okay? I'm going to whistle blow this now because I'm getting tired of this crap. There's that. There was that. Tony Arus is the one who put it in. He was also the head, the first team of all the people doing steroids. Yet he's still in the game making half a million. You know, no one, no one's going to go after that. It's just it's the stuff's getting old where they target certain guys and let other people off the hook. And you know, like the media doesn't know that this all happened, was going on. Everybody knows. Everybody who's been around the game knows all this stuff. Why all of a sudden it became a big thing? I have no idea. That was Jack McDowell, former pitcher of the White Sox, talking about what they did back in the late 80s to steal signs over 30-something years ago. 
and people are acting like this is something that just started with Houston. Like this is something that has been done over and over again by teams at all levels, uh, college, pro. I'm sure high school it has found some ways to tweak and gain an advantage, whether it's stealing signs or some other way to uh, get a leg up on their opponent. And you notice what he said. He said even the steroids, that whole era, that whole part of what happened with the A's and, and Canseco and McGuire, he's like, this is Tony LaRusa's doing. LaRusa was the manager during this time. Like, he is now the manager again of the White Sox. And, you know, people may look, there, there's going to be several people that just discounts anything this guy says, but, you know, the reason why they will discount people like him because it's only like one or two people who are willing to come out and say something. And so that's like he's just jealous, he's bitter, or he just isn't happy in his life. He's trying to take others down with him. Well, MLB analyst Ryan Spader, he also blew the whistle on that it wasn't just the Astros who were been stealing signs. They weren't the only team to you know, behave in a manner that is so disproving to so many fans and other teams and players. We've heard, you know, Chris Bryant and, you know, Tapera comments, as I mentioned, and, you know, of course, uh, several Dodgers, Bellinger, all those guys that lost to the Astros back in 2017 in the World Series. But Ryan Spader, an MLB analyst, who has made guest appearances on High Heat and MLB Now, shows that broadcast on the MLB Network. He came out and said that, hey, before you guys criticize and completely annihilate and crucify the Houston Astros, take a listen to what he had to say about some of the other teams in the MLB. As far as I've heard, there's been at least eight or nine total teams who have done just uh, just as much as the Astros have done. Wow. Um, just as much as what was in the report? Meaning yes. video, sign stealing, and... I'm not talking trash cans. That that seems pretty unique. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, but as far as the uh, sign stealing stuff goes, yes. Uh, so you're or, saying up nine. to eight or nine other teams, or including the Astros, or eight or nine total? Total. Wow. Again, that was Ryan Spader, MLB analyst, kind of dropping the bomb a year and a half ago about the whole situation with the Houston Astros and the sign-stealing scandal. But he also said that it wasn't just them. There's eight, nine total teams that have done similar things that the Houston Astros have done. So that's where my issue lies is that, okay, everybody puts the blame on the Houston Astros. It's only them. No, no, they're not the first. They're not the last. Just like the whole spider attack incident with the pitchers, uh, Garrett Cole basically lied without saying a word when he was questioned about it. It's like when he finally answered, he said, it's kind of been known that this is what we do. This is what pitchers have been taught. So you telling me that sign stealing, using illegal ways to steal signs or to gain an advantage that the Astros are only team? No. Jack McDowell, I played the soundbite. That was from the 80s that he said 
hey, we did this back then with the White Sox. This is not the first time. People quit playing games, acting like it's only Houston. This is the first that's ever happened. And that's the issue that I have with the whole situation. Like I said, Houston, what they did was wrong. But what they did is nothing new. And they're not the only team. And I know there's some saying, okay, Ron Spader came out and retracted his statements on, you know, okay, he's blowing the whistle on this whole situation that uh, that it wasn't just Houston. There's several teams, and he named a few players as well. Ron Spader did come out and say on his Twitter, I deeply regret everything that I said. It has turned my life upside down. It was a mistake, and I should not have reported on unfounded allegations I sincerely apologize to all of those impacted. It should not have happened, and it will not happen again. Stick to stats. So those of you who are listening and saying, okay, Spader retracted his statement, whatever you're basing on, what in the previous soundbite that's played uh, that he said, there's no merit because he retracted that statement. He issued an apology on his Twitter page. Well, let's take a deeper dive into what was said in that statement. He said, I deeply regret everything that I said. It has turned my life upside down. Why did those comments turn his life upside down? Was it just the words and that the backlash to fans and people, you know, bashed him on the Internet? No, it wasn't just that. You got to think about like there's bigger names uh that's in play here there's eight or nine teams i promise you at least five of those were major market teams in the mlb possibly the dodgers the red sox the yankees you know look at some of these franchises that the mlb they live upon when you see a game on espn sunday night baseball who are they showing? They're showing the same teams, just like the NBA does. They harp on those six, seven teams that bring the most money in. So if those team names were released, like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know what that would do to the sport of baseball? Like, they had to find one team and put all the blame on them. It's Houston, when we all know it's not just them. This is a sport that's always a distant third to NFL to NBA, MLB is not I, – listen, I love baseball. I enjoy watching baseball, especially in the postseason. But overall, and, and the nation is always a distant third. That's why they're looking for ways to improve the pace of play. People don't want to sit there and watch baseball for three hours. It's not as entertaining as football as basketball is. That's why they've – juice the balls they've done something different to the balls to see more home runs to have more action to to speed it up and have people people want to be entertained that's at the end of the day people want to be entertained that's why they go to games they're cheering for their teams but how do you boo that same team how do you boo certain players when they're coming off the field just because they're not performing to your standards that to me sounds like this is just entertainment to a lot of people there's no way I would beat would would boo my Spurs or my Steelers or the Auburn Tigers now there's players that you get upset with there's coaches you get upset with but when you boo somebody that's saying like you, you just spend a hundred dollars to to attend this game in person and you're booing them so what I'm saying at the end of the day the Astros were just the scapegoat they were the ones who had to to take the blame now they were caught they were caught but let's 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 focus on 
is it just them? Or were there other teams like Ron Spader alluded to before he had to recant his statement? And I believe he had to recant those statements because of potential threats from people who could jeopardize his career as an MLB analyst. And come on, guys, we know how the game is played and it's all politics. And that's that's what really sucks about it, especially in sports, is, you know, he was probably threatened. Honestly, hey, if you continue with these allegations with this story, you know, I'll make sure that you're blackballed, that you won't have another opportunity in the MLB sports world. And, you know, those people will make your life a living hell. So I really believe that's what happened. That's why he had to retract his statement and he issued that apology and said it was the wrong thing to do and that there was no validity to that story. Look at the Patriots. Cheated. Deflategate. Spygate. And, I mean, look at it. They still get the national television. They still all get the, the publicity. They still get all of the accolades. They get nothing has changed. They got fined, got hit on the slap on the wrist, lose a few draft picks. Nothing's changed. But the biggest thing for me is there is there's no love loss. Now, there are certain people who can't stand the Patriots, and they will use that same reason that they cheated, which is understandable, right? But for the media, from the media, the media still loves them. The media still gives them all the attention. They still get all the praise. Belichick's still the greatest. You know, they still call him the GOAT. Tom Brady is the GOAT, right? But he was a part of all that too. So let's 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 rethink this whole thing. Why are we pointing all the fingers at Houston? There, it's not just them. It's not just them. They always say if you're pointing one finger at someone else, you got three pointing back at you. So, I mean, let's think about this. Quit making Houston the bad guy. Attorney Kaz Espy is a proud supporter of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Kaz has experience in both federal and state courts regarding a wide range of civil matters. Specializing in bankruptcy, debt resolution, probate, and estate planning, Kaz listens to the concerns of his clients, understanding their individual needs. Attorney Kaz Espy, phone 334-793-6288 or online at espymetcalf.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Finch Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Finch Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan, or phone 334-671-POOL. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. 
Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinchapenny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. As we continue this episode talking about the Houston Astros, who are gearing up for their fifth straight ALCS appearance, taking on the Boston Red Sox starting on Friday. These Astros have had the lowest strikeout total in three of the last five years. They were number one in 2017, number two in 2018, number one in 2019, and 2020 as well, and then had the second lowest strikeout rate in the year of 2021 this season. They're first in average, first in hits, first in runs, first in RBIs, I'll tell you, this this lineup is insane. When you look around the diamond at Yuli Gurriel, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley, one of the more underrated hitters in all of the game. You look at Kyle Tucker, who has had an amazing breakout season. I mean, this team, Jordan Alvarez, can't forget about Jordan, who is, as, oh my gosh, like, you're talking about how even numbers like his OPS numbers from against left-handed pitchers and against right-handed pitchers are nearly the same. Like this dude is a stud from Cuba. This Houston Astros lineup is as deep as they come. There's not another team in the American League that even comes comes close. The only team that can compare is the Dodgers, and the Dodgers, you know, we can go on and on about their depth in their lineup. And I mean, Chris Taylor, a lot of times he he doesn't even start. You know, he was an all-star this year. But, uh, you know, talking about the Astros, this lineup here, there are no breaks. And you can look in an American League and say, okay, they have the DH. It's harder. You don't – the pitcher doesn't have to bat. There's somebody hitting for him. But still, even in this case, there are still no breaks with Houston. There are no easy outs. Maybe Martin Maldonado behind the plate but that's not his job that's not his forte is to hit his job is to be one of the best uh defensive backstops and catchers in the league which he is and not only are they talented and they all hit but they're all clutch they've all come through when they have the team has needed them the most and so you know whenever you have a super talented team there's always going to be attrition because you know players outperform their salary they test free agency. Somebody else offers them more money than they, uh, that current franchise can afford. And, you know, certain franchises don't have to worry about that. Like the, the Yankees got the money. The Red Sox got the money. The Dodgers have the money too, but they also draft well. So I give the Dodgers a little more of a pass because they drafted Will Smith. They drafted Walker Bueller. They drafted uh, Cody Bellinger. You know, I mean, Chris Taylor developed under their watch. He wasn't that guy in Seattle. Justin Turner was not that guy with New York, but he's that guy now with the Dodgers. So I give the Dodgers a pass. But a lot of these franchises just have money. They go out there and shell the big bucks to the top free agents, and they keep moving. When you have a team like Houston, it's imperative that they scout well, that they draft well, and that they also help their prospects progress throughout the system and get ready to play at the biggest level. And so... With George Springer leaving this year for the Blue Jays, six years, $150 million deal, 
you know, that left a question mark on this Houston National Astros team. I mean, these, this team is loaded, as we know, but that's a big blow for a team who are not only leading their, their center fielder slash right fielder, he's also their leadoff guy. And arguably so, you could say that George Springer was the fan favorite in all of Houston for this Astros team. I know everybody loves Altuve, they love Bregman, they love Correa, but there's an argument to be made that George Springer may have been the fan favorite for that Houston Astros fan base. And so when you lose a guy like that, you need somebody to step up in his shoes. You need somebody to maybe not produce that same level of productivity as George Springer, but you need somebody to be consistent at the plate, consistent in the field, consistent in the base paths. That guy has been none other than Kyle Tucker. This dude has taken off beyond anything anybody could have expected. I mean, I know he's been one of their top prospects in the last few years. He's had his chops at the plate over the last few seasons, kind of getting a feel for the MLB game. But the level that he has taken off this season has been unforeseen. Nobody could have predicted that he would have the breakout year that he's had, hitting 294, 30 home runs, 37 doubles, 92 RBIs. And not just in the regular season, he's also continued that at the plate in the postseason thus far. Against the Chicago White Sox in the ALDS, he was 5 of 17, which is ironically a 294 average. He had two home runs and seven RBIs against him as well in four games. So Kyle Tucker, he also stole 14 bases this year, 14 out of 16 successful attempts. So, you know, don't sleep on him. He can run too. Kyle Tucker has been exactly what anybody in the Houston Astros fan base, organization, teammates could have hoped for. And he has risen to the challenge in George Springer's departure. Now on the pitching side, they're seventh in the MLB with a 3.76 ERA. Very solid, very respectable. Um, you know, this is a team that's had to deal with injuries. Of course, Verlander not being available to pitch. Grinky battling some injuries. But Lance McCullers coming back from his tummy John surgery a couple seasons ago. This dude's back. He's for real. He is this year's ace. He really has stepped up. He has been the guy. He has uh, been the arm that they know they can lean on. Now, he did have to leave in the fourth inning during game four of the series-clinching win over the Chicago White Sox. And they're hoping that he is able to pitch against the Red Sox. They are definitely going to need him. And, you know, like I said, he's this year's ace. He has been the guy that has stepped up and has led that rotation. But they're going to need everybody all hands on deck. Their bullpen, they made several moves this offseason, trade deadline. They signed Ryan Stanton back in January. They go out and get Yimi Garcia from the Marlins, Kendall Graven from the Mariners, trade Miles Straw, who was holding down that center real position in Springer's departure, traded him, one of the fastest players in the league, great defensive player, traded him to Cleveland in the Phil Maton deal, adding depth for that bullpen, gearing up for this year's postseason run. Because when you look in the postseason, there's – Two things that you need is pitching and timely hitting. And the Astros have both. They have both 
We've uh, we've seen it time and time again, not only from this Houston Astros team, but in every year. The team that goes deep, the team that makes the World Series and eventually becomes a champion, we've seen great pitching from them. We've seen timely clutch hitting from them. And there's not another team that's more clutch than the Houston Astros. Not at least in the American League, because I know in the National League it's the Dodgers. That's the only other team that can even be on the same playing field with the Astros when it comes to hits in the eighth inning, hits in the ninth inning, extra inning base hits, you know, the extra guy that comes through in a clutch that, that you didn't expect. The Dodgers have it. The Astros have it too. And they're going against the Red Sox. The Red Sox are a very, very talented team. We know they're they're loaded offensively as well. When you look around their diamond, you have Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers, um, Kyle Swarber, J.D. Martinez, one of the best sluggers in the game, Alex Verdugo, who came over from the Dodgers in the David Price, Mookie Betts deal. I mean, even Hunter Renfro, you forget about him, but he's a slugger too, had over 30 home runs this year. You know, this team here, the Red Sox, are not going to be a cakewalk. They're, they can score runs too, but their issue is pitching. They're they're the definition of average when it comes to their pitching staff. They had a 4.26 ERA. You know the league average is 4.26. Where did the Red Sox rank out of 30 teams? 15th. I mean, they're dead middle average when it comes to pitching. And as I talked about, what do you need right now? It's October. Two things matter, pitching and timely hitting. We've seen the Braves. We've seen Atlanta come through. I mean, they completely dominated the series against the Brewers from a pitching standpoint. The Brewers were great pitching, too. It was really two great staffs going at it, and neither team could really, you know, fly the doors off the hinges on the offensive side of things because the pitching was so great. So that's where the Red Sox have struggled this entire year is on the mound. They can score runs, but can they keep other teams from scoring? And I don't care how great your offense is, in October, sometimes those bats go cold. Guys who have been thriving all year can't find a base hit for anything. So this is where pitching and depth and talent in your rotation from the start to the end of the bullpen, this is where it matters. And the Red Sox really don't have that. The Houston Astros won the head-to-head series five games to two. And I think in this series, it's not going seven. At most, it'll go six. But I'm predicting the Houston Astros to win in five games, four games to one, and advance again to the World Series, the Fall Classic will indeed include the Houston Astros here in 2021. And Dusty Baker, I love that guy. He has been exactly what this Houston Astros team needed. And, you know, he's looking for his first title as a manager. He's come super close. And you can tell the players love him. They've rallied behind him. They fight for him. He fights for them. What an excellent hire by this Houston Astros franchise 
coming off the horrendous scandal that's taken place over the last couple of years. And I'll tell you, there's usually two hires. When you have a situation where it's rocky, it's not a good situation, whoever comes in next, is have they have their work cut out for them. Franchises usually make one or two hires. One is a Dusty Baker who comes in hard nosed, is like, hey, we're going to embrace this. We're not going to shy away from what's happened. We're going to take it on and we're going to fight through it and we're going to get back to where we need to be. That's exactly what Dusty Baker has done. The other type of hire is ironically what's happened with the Houston Texans. Bill O'Brien ran that program into the ground and then the Deshaun Watson situation has been a cloud over the entire franchise. So they go out there and they hire David Culley as their next head coach. We all know he's not the long-term answer. He knows he's not the long-term answer. I'm pretty sure they already told him, like, hey, this is your one shot, your one year to say, hey, I was an NFL head coach. And he will not be the guy at the end of the year. They'll go out there and get their long-term answer, whoever they may be. They may go get a, go get a college guy. Who knows? But that's exactly what happens after a scandal. Teams will either go get a Dusty Baker, come and fix this situation. You're the right guy. We believe in you. You are the perfect man for the job. Or they go the David Cully route or the John L. Smith route. Remember him? The whole Bobby Petrino situation, Arkansas fires him after that ordeal. And then they go out and hire the guy they really want, Brett Bielema. So the Astros have done exactly what they needed to do. They got the right man. Dusty Baker should be the manager of the year. I'm hoping the Astros win the World Series. I believe they will win the World Series and be this year's 2021 World Series champions. If they do advance past the Red Sox, which I'm predicting four games to one, whether it's the Braves, the Dodgers, or the Giants, I believe none of those teams will be able to stop this year's, this year's Houston Astros squad. They're on a mission. And fans have... fans have done and said so many things to these guys and you know what nothing stopped them they're on a mission they are embracing every challenge and nothing is going to stop them from holding this year's trophy and becoming the champions in the year 2021 so fans no more excuses no more saying oh it's the it was the signs it was the cameras it was the trash cans like i said this year's team They're first in hits, first in runs, first in RBIs, first in average. It's time to admit that this team, they're for real. They're super talented, very clutch, and they play together as one. Whether you love them or you hate them, it's time that you recognize and realize that the Houston Astros are here to stay. For more content, subscribe to Corey Bradley Sports. Once you search Corey Bradley Sports, you will see the Sweet Spot logo. And after you subscribe, you will receive notification anytime new content is uploaded. The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts as well. And always remember, there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot.